Well, you may be seated. We're very excited about our missions conference. Kits off today. It will be tonight at the North Campus, Wednesday night at the North Campus. We'll be back here, of course, next Sunday morning and as we wrap up our missions conference. Uh, I am so pleased to be able to introduce to you a great, great missionary. And I mentioned to Grant uh, a few moments ago prior to the service. I said, Grant, I don't want to take up all your time with a lengthy introduction although that would certainly be applicable in many ways because there's so many good things that God is doing through their family and through their ministry. Uh, he and his wife, Molly, and their two children have been missionaries in Vietnam uh, for the last two, 10 years. Anybody that you talk to that knows Grant Wyatt and knows how God is using him has nothing but raving uh, remarks concerning that. And so I'm very, very pleased and uh, we had a chance to connect over dinner last night, had a wonderful time. He's a great guy, and he's a fantastic uh, missionary. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your hands together and give a great Victory Church Lakeside Village welcome, Grant Wyatt. Will you welcome him as he comes? Thank you. Thank you. It is uh, great to be here with you guys this morning. Um, I'm excited. Molly wants to send her... Uh, uh, just greetings to you guys. Uh, she couldn't make the trip with me. She, someone had to stay back in Vietnam, but I talked to her this morning. It was Sunday night there, and sh they had a great service this morning. So we're expecting the same thing here today, right? Yeah, God's going to move, change lives. It's going to be exciting. You know, uh, like Pastor said, we've been in Vietnam for uh, 10 years. My boys were two and four when we got there. So they've grown up in Vietnam. They love Vietnam. We love Vietnam. We love the Vietnamese people. I love sharing Christ with lost people. I love to engage the lost people, no matter where I'm at. It doesn't matter if I'm in Vietnam, here in America, wherever it is. But we love to be engaged with the lost people of Vietnam. Um, we were uh, moved to Vietnam 10 years ago. And man, Vietnam's a different place. It's like opposite world to America is how I kind of, anything we do here, they do opposite, you know. It's about 94 million people in Vietnam, and in in land size is about the size of New Mexico. So it's very densely populated. We live in Ho Chi Minh City, over 15 million people. I had to get used to that. I wasn't used to that big of a city, and it is very crowded, and I had to get used to some different customs, you know. Like um, when you're at the grocery store in Vietnam, it is no big deal for someone just to cut in front of you. Like if you leave too much space, they're going to, they're like, you're not in a hurry, so I'm going to cut in front of you. And you try that at Walmart here. You might get hurt, right? I mean, someone's going to hurt someone here. And I would, the first time it happened to me, a little old lady about this tall just, bam, right in front of me. And I was like, what's going on here? Did walk up and just put their stuff in front of you? You know, I mean, it's like a fight at a line. You, you got to learn how to elbow and push your way around. Well, you either learn to adapt or you go home, you know? So we learned to adapt. And uh, we were coming back from the U.S., or coming back to the U.S., our first itineration. And we were uh, at Chicago Airport. We landed. We were going through customs. And we were excited to be home. And, you know, I had become accustomed to just being right up on someone, you know, like this, behind them in a line. And, you know, when you come into the country, it has a foreign line and an American line. We were like, whoo, American line. We're not foreigners anymore. We're home. And we got in the line, and there was this guy in front of me. And he was taller than me. I'm, see, I'm used to being able to look over people now. 
But I got back to the U.S. He was in front, and I was like, bam, right behind him, breathing on his neck. And I could just see him go tense up. And I, I, just, I didn't notice it. And he went like this. He went. And I, and I went, like, boom. I, was, I, wasn't getting, I wasn't losing my spot. I was ready to be home. I did it like two or three times. And finally, my wife taps me on the shoulder and says, Grant, we're back in America. You can back up. I said, oh, man. So I backed up. That guy went, whew. You know, I don't know if he thinking I was going to pick his pocket, what, what the deal was. But we were happy to be home. But you know what? God puts us in uncomfortable situations. We have to adapt to those sometimes. He challenges. He's never challenged me in a comfortable way. I, I mean, and then when I look through scriptures, he, when he usually challenges people, he challenges them out of their comfort zone. So don't get mad if the Holy Spirit challenges you today and makes you a little bit uncomfortable. I say, take that challenge. God will use that challenge and change your life. He's changed our lives, and we are so happy to see that. You know, in Vietnam, we're a country, uh, or we're in a communist country, so we can't go in as missionaries. But you know, God, our God is creative. Look at the universe around us. He is a creative God, and he gives us creativity on how to share the gospel. And how we've done that for the last 10 years is through a coffee shop called Master's Cup in Vietnam, where we uh, customers will come in to practice their English with a native speaker. Most probably all of you are native speakers, so you guys can come on over to Vietnam and sit down in our coffee shop and practice your English with the Vietnamese people. But through that, we build relationships. And through those relationships, we're able to introduce Christ to lost people. You know, it says this in Isaiah 58.10. It says, And if you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. If you spend yourself for the spiritually lost people, spiritually oppressed people, people that have never heard about Jesus Christ before. Maybe they've heard a name, but they have no idea what it means. If you spend yourself, your light will shine. You know, when we first opened the coffee shop, uh, we hired some students, and Kwa was one of those students. He was a finance major at the time. He was probably in his junior year, sophomore, junior year in college, and he came in, great guy, you know, was just a joy to be around, and then over the time we were, we were he was working with us, and we were ministering him, he came to know Christ as his personal Savior, came from a family where he had never heard about Christ before. Well, Kwa, you know, was just going along with his walk with Christ, and uh, he had a girlfriend, like most college students do, you know, they're in some type of relationship, and he started sharing his f new faith with his girlfriend. His girlfriend was a little bit more skeptical than him, so it took her a little bit longer. But as she came around and was surrounded by us, as we did relationship with her and we were in relationship with them, she became a Christian, and she started following Jesus. Well, one day her mom, she lived at home, her mom said, what's wrong with you, girl? And she said, what do you mean, mom? She goes, you're a different person. You used to, you, you're just, there's something different about you. What is going on with you? And she was, she was hesitant to share the, what happened to her because a typical scenario in Vietnam is when someone comes to Christ and they share that with their family, a lot of times their f family will reject them 
and say, we are going to disown you, and we are gonna ki- we're going to tell all the family to not have nothing to do with you because of this, this Jesus you're following. Well, she just shared with her mom. She said, well, you want to know what's going on? Is I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and I'm following him now. And her mom was so amazed by her transformation that she started to become curious and started to uh, ask her questions. And, and then finally she came to our church that we've planted. And it's an underground church that we planted. And her mom and her brother and her entire family comes to Jesus Christ. Never heard of the gospel before. Well, the story doesn't end there. Kwa and Juan, a couple years back, about four years ago, got married. Two and a half years ago, they had a baby girl. Now think about the difference in that family. You went from a people that had never heard about Jesus Christ before in their lives to a baby that's born, and from day one, her first birthday, they asked her, what's your favorite song? Her favorite song is Jesus Loves Me. You went from a family that never heard about Jesus Christ to a baby that's born. From day one, she was being prayed over. She was being loved on. She was being brought into the kingdom of God because of a coffee shop in Vietnam. Because someone decided to say, let's do something different. Let's try a new way to be able to reach the lost people of this nation. Our God is a creative God. And he will give us creativity to reach the lost people around us. We have to be in relationship, just like Jesus was. He said, Zacchaeus, come down here. I want to go to your house tonight. He wanted to be in relationship with this lost person. We have to be in relationship with lost people. We can't just surround ourselves only with believers or we'll never impact the kingdom around us, the people around us. You know, uh, another young man that just came into our coffee shop, he's a normal customer. That's typically how we, we reach people as they come in wanting to improve their English. They're, they want to improve their English so they can get a better job. They can go study abroad. It's, but it's all about money. And what they end up finding there is Jesus Christ. We've been able to minister to thousands of people, been able to share the gospel with thousands of people and seen hundreds come to Christ through this coffee shop. And Teddy, we call him Teddy. His name's Chum, but he, he liked Theodore Roosevelt, so he gave his name. Uh, he, gave his, he gave that to his name, so we call him Teddy. He's a big Vietnamese guy. Like, Viet, average v- Vietnamese is about 130 pounds, maybe 5'5", five, five a guy. Teddy's, he's bigger than me, so he, he's a big guy. He's taller than me. He's a big guy. And when we met him, he was just coming out of high school. Or he Actually, he was still in high school. And uh, what we found out is he got kicked out of school. And I was like, when I heard the story, I was like, this is crazy. And I mean, it, that doesn't sound too bad here in, in America, you know, people getting kicked out of school. We hear about it. Vietnam, Asia, you never hear about that because education is so important. Teddy got kicked out for punching his principal. I was like, what? Yeah, this is crazy. And it, so I just started talking to this guy and... We just started loving on him, and, and he was rough. I mean, he was rougher. I mean, he punched his principal. He was a rough kid, but we just loved him for who he was. And over time, he came to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And I mean, a radical transformation. 
that boy just changed everything in his life, everybody he used to hang out with. I mean, he was coming to us the first time. He was sneaking out of the boarding school that his parents put him in. That's how he found our coffee shop. He was trying to get away. So this boy was a rough boy, and he, he just started loving, loving God, and we started being discipled by us, and we just started mentoring him and showing him the way. And you know what? About after a year of following Christ, he was sitting there with his parents one night eating dinner. And his parents said, we love you. We love the boy that you are. We are so glad we sent you to that boarding school because it just changed you. <laughs> and, and the Holy Spirit spoke to Teddy and said, tell him the real reason you changed. He was nervous. He wasn't sure if he was going to be able to just tell them the truth because he, he didn't know if they would reject him. But he said, you know what, Mom? It wasn't that boarding school that changed me. He said it was Jesus Christ who changed me. And that's why I'm the good boy that you like today. It's just because of Jesus Christ. His mom said, I don't care what it was. We just like the new Teddy we got now. <laughs> they were just excited about who he was and, and the transformation in his life, you know, and the things that were going on. That's how a coffee shop is impacting lives in Vietnam. You know? It's exciting to be in the middle of what God's doing there, touching lives and just seeing how they will grow. But, you know, there's a lot of bad things going on, a lot of things that, you know, we're not able to impact. You know, one of the, we have 54 tribes in Vietnam. So there's the main tribe, the kin people that are the, rule, the majority of the people, but we have a lot of minority tribes. And, you know, they're so lost. They, they've never heard the gospel. The vast majority of them haven't. And uh, we were uh, up in these tribes, and we found out one of the customs in, in quite a few of these rural tribes is when a lady gives birth and she passes away from giving birth to that child, um, the family will take that baby, a live baby, and take it out into the fields and bury it. And when I heard that, I was like, how? How can that happen? How could you do something like that? But you know, when there's an absence of God, that's how these kind of things prevail. The, the solution to these types of horrible things is Jesus. If we can bring the light of Jesus into these dark areas, these customs cease to exist anymore because there's a value on life. God transforms people. He transforms the way they think. He transforms customs. He transformed my life. He transformed your life. God will do it. Another girl that has been, life has been transformed is uh, Quinn. Quinn, uh, she was in our first Bible study in, in Vietnam, and she was uh, one of our first employees at the coffee shop, but she was a double major. She was double majoring in physics and English. So she came to us to practice her English. And uh, Quinn just, we, we used the Bible to, to help him learn English. And through this time, Quinn just had a lot of great questions. And, but she was very open to the gospel. And eventually she accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior. Her sister accepted Jesus Christ um, great evangelist um, telling people about Christ. She got saved, and she uh, had her best friend growing up all of her life. 
She went to her best friend, and she was so excited after she gave her heart to Christ. You know, when you gave your heart to Christ, you were eager to share with other people, weren't you? You know, say, that, that's, that's universal. She was eager to share, and she went to her best friend, and she said, you know, kind of talking low. She goes, I, guess what happened to me? I found out about Jesus. And she started telling her about what had happened in her life, and her friend said this. She said, I know, I'm a Christian. And she was stunned. She goes, how could you be a Christian all this time and never has shared it with me? Her friend grew up in, in, in a communist country where her parents said, you can't share your faith with a lot of other people because we don't know what's going to happen. But Quinn was brokenhearted because she goes, how could you have this life living in you and never share it with me? I'm your best friend. We grew up next door to each other. How could you never share it? Well, Quinn has gone on. She's an amazing woman. She uh, graduated with a physics degree, one of the highest in her class, and her professor came up to her and said, what are you going to do with your life? By that time, God had put a call in her life to go and share the gospel. And she said, I'm going to go share the gospel with lost people. And his words to her was, why have I wasted my time with you? Quinn didn't let it stop her. She, she went on, she graduated with her uh, double major, and then she went on to uh, Bible school. She got her bachelor's. Then she, she, after she got her bachelor's, she became our lead interpreter for the fire Bible for Vietnamese. So she was, uh, went to our translation center in Bangkok, and she was working on the translation of the fire Bible into Vietnamese. And while she was there, she met a student studying abroad from uh, Southwestern University, one of our Assembly of God schools in Texas. And they met there, and they fell in love. A couple years ago, they got married. She, she's now living in uh, Michigan. They've, just two weeks ago, they had their second baby, little girl. They got a little boy, Peter, and a little baby girl now. And three weeks ago, they were appointed to be Assembly of God missionaries, go back to Cambodia to reach the Vietnamese people. That's how a coffee shop is changing the nation of Vietnam. That's how co a coffee shop, and when we're creative, can reach the lost people around this world. Quinn is just unbelievable just how she is out there just ministering to lost people. And she, with her, she's just infectious smile on her face and just touching people. But you know, every story is not great. Sometimes we're, we're left with, I don't know. You know, uh, just about six months ago, a young man, well, he was about 30, Tuan came into the coffee shop, first time I met him, and we were in there, and we were just having normal discussions, and some area we disagreed over, you know, just not, you know, you can disagree without being angry, you know, but we, we just uh, had a disagreement about something, but we were respectful of each other, and uh, you know, and we continued on. Well, I didn't know it, but one of the girls in our church had told him that he needed to come to our coffee shop. See, he was a successful banker. Everything was going good for him. Um, he was uh, not married yet, but he was in a long-term relationship with a young lady, but he wasn't satisfied. Something was missing in his life. And um, this uh, Ha, the girl in our church, was just sharing with him, and she's a good friend of his, and she said, you know what, you need to go to Master's Cup. I think it would be good for you just to go, you know, share some of the things you have, just talk about life. And she goes, I think it would be good. Well, he came, and uh, eventually she invited them to our discipleship group. We do, 
Um, that's our main thing is building disciples. That's what Jesus said to do. Go out and make disciples. You know, discipleship's hard, though, because it's relationship. You've got to open up your life. You've got to take a lot of time, but it's so worth it. When you get to see the fruit of the, the people going on and ministering to other people and discipling other people. So he was coming to our group, and, and he was very faithful. Great questions. I mean, they were, you know, when you have people that have never heard about Christ, not been around the church, they have great questions that you never think of. And we, you know, we'd just sit there and we'd talk as a group, and I, I would try to explain things to him. And he was, he's a skeptic, so he, you know what I mean, he's looking at me like, mm, I don't know if I believe you, you know what I mean? But we were just walking through life. And he was getting to hear the truth. He came to, we started a worship night, uh, and he came to that worship night at, the, at, at our coffee shop on a Sunday night. And uh, he, you know what I mean? And you could just see how God was impacting him. Well, he took a trip. He was going up to Korea for something, and he came back from Korea. And I was like, where's Tuan? You know? And uh, I got a call the next day. He had had a stroke. And uh, he died. 30 years old. We don't, I don't know if he accepted Jesus Christ, but he had the opportunity to hear the truth. And he was seeking out the truth. And God said, if you, if you seek me, you will find me. You know, I'm just believing that Tuan, and in those hours, those, is about a day that he had from the stroke to his death that he found Christ. We were able to go to his funeral able to stop, talk to his brother and his mom and just be able to pray with them and just be with the family and help the family out as much as we could because he was the main earner in that family. But this is why we do missions. This is why you guys support missions, for people to be able to hear the good news of Jesus Christ that, so we can go out there and share with lost people. You know, this is why you pray. It's so important to pray for us, to pray for lost people, for their hearts to be open. You know, your prayers are effective. Trust me, they can impact the nations. Be faithful in praying. You know, the book that you're getting, if, you, if God shows you a missionary, start praying for that family. Start praying for missions. You know, um, I come from a, a ministry family, uh, sort of, Kind of, we are. At long, it's a weird history. We're all military. I was ex-military. My father was ex-military. But my dad went to a Bible school. He's been, or, he's been ordained forever. He, he preaches. He's a missionary now also. Um, but my father was drafted into the war in Vietnam. He uh, went over there as a soldier. And my grandma, she was a prayer warrior. She was from Kentucky. How many of you guys ever seen the Beverly Hillbillies? You know, Granny, that was my grandma. My dad used to say she'd walk out back, shoot a possum, and cook it up. You know what I mean? They, they lived up outside of St. Louis, so they were in the suburbs, but she was just, she'd go out there and shoot. He said, possum is some of the nastiest stuff you'll ever smell. You know, you don't want to eat that stuff. But that was just my grandma. She was a simple person, not educated, uh, very, maybe third grade, fourth grade education. But... She was a prayer warrior. I remember as a little boy, my dad was so happy when he bought his mom the Bible on tape, cassette tapes. For some of you guys might not know what that is. It was before the disc, 
<laughs> but uh, my uh, grandma, she just loved God, and she, she was praying. Well, my dad was drafted into the war. He went over to Vietnam. He was an army grunt. He was out in the jungle one day, and he was walking through the jungle, him and his platoon, and they were ambushed. And he said, Grant, it was like everybody just opened up. Everything went. He, had, he was a bigger guy, so he had the M60, and it jammed on him. It was, had, a, had that problem. And he dropped down to a knee and was trying to clear his jam. But at that time, about the same time, in Bethalto, Illinois, my grandma was woke up by Jesus. She said, God said this to her. He said, get up and pray. Jerry's in trouble. You know what she didn't do? She didn't ask, God, I'm tired. Can I just take a rest right now? Can you just, I'll pray for him in the morning. No. She knew it was urgent. She got up. She got down on her knees. She started praying for her son. I don't know how long she prayed for, but she, until she felt released, she went back to bed. My dad said, it was an amazing time. He said, Grant, every gun on the battlefield stopped at one time. He said, our guns, their guns, every gun just went silent. The enemy disappeared. He said, it was like angels came down from heaven and put their fingers in the gun. And, uh, they thought it was weird, they just, but they ended up just going on with their patrol. No one got hurt. Everybody was okay, and they went on with their patrol. But about two, three weeks later, he got a letter from his mom. And she said, you know what? God woke me up at this time on this date and told me that, that you were in trouble and pray for you. And he thought back to it. He said, that is the exact time we walked into that ambush. Your prayers make a difference. When God asks you to pray for someone do it it's making a difference angels are coming down and opening up people's hearts you don't know what uh, you what kind of safety the kind of trouble that people are in god you're making a difference in the kingdom of god prayers matter just like my grandma's prayers while she was right here in in st louis illinois halfway around the world in vietnam her son's life was saved think about the lasting impact of that one single prayer her son is a minister, missionary. Her grandson is ministering now. And her great-grandchildren are touching people's lives because she didn't, wasn't too tired to get down and be obedient to God. You can make a difference in the kingdom of God. You know, your support, it's huge. It's how we're able to be there. By your support in this church, by giving to the monthly missions, that's the only way that you're able to, your church is able to support missionaries like us and to keep us on the field. It matters that people are on the field, building those relationships. It matters deeply. You know, Molly was uh, at the coffee shop one morning, and uh, she, it was just a normal morning at, at uh, Master's Cup, and she was talking, and this young man came in, Kind of, it's the first time he's in there, so normally we're like, hey, what's your name? Where are you from? You know, all the normal courtesy things there in Vietnam. And he sat down and was uh, quiet for a while. But then he spoke up. He said, you know what? I was riding my motorbike by this coffee shop. And he said, something inside me. He goes, I've never been here. I don't know what it was, this place is. He said, but something inside me told me I needed to come into this coffee shop. 
And Molly kind of smiled. She, I, I know what that something is, <laughs> is what she was thinking. But he was sitting there, and he's quiet again. But then he piped up a little bit later, and he said this. He said, I'm going to kill myself. And the, the room went quiet like it did here. Molly was just, she didn't know what to do. She was like, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to help me with this because this never happened to me before. And uh, the guy said, I, you know, I just, he just graduated university, just got a new job. Uh, things were going good for him, but he had a broken relationship, and he wanted to end his life because of that. And um, Molly just started engaging him. She said, well, your parents, you got parents? And she said, yeah. He said, yeah. I said, they love you? He said, oh, yeah, they love me a lot. She said, well, how are they going to feel? He said, they're going to be devastated. They're going to be destroyed. He said, she, Molly said, do you have any siblings? She, he said, yeah, I got three younger sisters. She goes, well, how are they going to feel? She, he said, they're going to be destroyed. I, I, you know, they look up to me and everything. And she just started, kept on engaging this young man. And he said, you know, I already got it planned out. I've already written the letter. I know the hotel I'm going to go to and where I'm going to kill myself. And uh, so Molly just kept on engaging this young man and trying to talk to him. But at that time, you know, it was, it was our shift change time. I came into the room, and I sat down, and Molly, there was a little bit of other conversation going on, and Molly whispered to me real quick what was going on. And, uh, but she was getting ready to leave. But as she was getting ready to leave, she asked that young man, she go, will you come in the hallway with me? And he went out in the hall. She said, can I pray for you? And he said, yeah, you can pray for me. So she just prayed that God would just touch his heart and change his mind. You know, and, and so he came back. She prayed for him. He came back in the room. He was there for a little bit, but not very long, and he left. We didn't know him. We didn't have his number. We had no way of contacting this young man. We knew nothing about him. So we just asked people to pray for him, we, you know, and we were just, just praying that God would spare his life, that he would spare his life. And, uh, you know, we were, it was about two months later, we were... Um, moving. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever moved, but moving is one of the funnest things you can do in the world. <laughs> you know, I've done it like 30 times. I just love it. You know, I mean, if you're married, hey, if you're newly married and you want to you bond closer together, just plan a move. It will draw you closer together, you know. No, seriously, we were moving, and you know how you feel when you're moving. Even as a missionary overseas, you don't feel, you know, the love of the Spirit coming through you. You know what I mean? So we were in the middle of this move. We were all hot and sweaty, and we were doing something. We had to run by the coffee shop, and I ran in. Molly was needing something, and I had to go to the bathroom. So I went upstairs, and uh, it was a Saturday afternoon. The coffee shop was packed out, and we have two speaking rooms where people can come in and practice their English, and you can fit about 20 people in each one. I looked in the first room, like through the glass door, and everybody's in there. I was like, yeah. And as I went to the second door, as I was walking down to the bathroom, I looked in, and right over there, I saw that young man. I opened the door, and I just said, it's good to see you. No one else in that room knew what I was talking about. And he just smiled at me with this big smile. I closed the door, went, went downstairs. I said, hey, Molly, there's someone upstairs that needs to talk to you. And she said, Grant, I don't got time for this. She said, who is it? I said, just go on upstairs. Remember, Molly's got the joy of the Lord running through her heart right now because we're moving, you know. 
So, so she said, I, Grant, we don't have time. We got stuff to do. Let us go. I said, just go upstairs. So she finally figured out it's just faster to go upstairs than mess with him anymore. So she walked upstairs. She looked in the first room, and she didn't see anything. I mean, she saw all the people. It's just nothing. She went down to that second room, and she looked through that door. She saw that young man. She opened it. He ran to her, hugged her, and said, thank you. I'm alive because of you. That's how supporting missions happen. That Molly was the right person at the right time to be able to save that boy's life. That's how you can impact this, this world. Through your missions given, it will change people's lives. It will save people's lives. It will snatch them out of the grips of death. That's the impact that you're having by doing this. So again, it says this in Isaiah 58.10. And if you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry, spiritually hungry people all around this world, there's people that are so, they don't even know what they're looking for, but they're looking for Jesus. They're hungry. They're crying out to all kinds of false gods, but they're hungry for the truth. They're hungry. And satisfy the needs of the oppressed then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. Let your light shine. How will you spend yourself? How is God challenging you right now to spend yourself?